This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What is going on, Eagles Nation? We have a very special episode in store today. Welcome back to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Loopy, and today we're going to be talking about the cornerbacks. Really uh, diving into the cornerback group, talking about the current cornerbacks on the roster and some cornerback prospects in the 2021 NFL Draft. We're bringing Andrew DeCecco back onto the podcast. He does Eagles coverage for 97.3 ESPN and is also a staff reporter and content producer for InsideTheBirds.com. Inside the Birds is another great Eagles-centered podcast out there if you guys are not listening to it or checked it out, Andrew's work. Check him out, A. DeCecco NFL on Twitter. Make sure you do so. Um, Andrew was actually on the podcast back in October or November with me talking about the Eagles and their season so far. So I'm really happy to have him back on. And we're going to talk all about these cornerbacks. We have a great show coming up for you guys. So make sure you tune in and uh, really absorb all this great content. Because the Eagles are definitely going to be targeting some corners. So you're going to just see which ones they'll be targeting uh, come April. So before we get into the interview and the podcast, I want to take a break to mention our sponsor, Manscaped. This tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. We're talking about our sponsors, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped performance package to keep all of your hairs and holes tamed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using code PHL for our exclusive offer. Your bracket isn't supposed to be perfect, but with Manscaped Performance Package, you can be confident that your nose, ear, and ball pubes are. The Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and number one overall seed this season. Included in this package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. It provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that their long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? This amazing bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. It checks every box for a Final Four run. Let's not forget about their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine and keep you fresh and ready for anything. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Talk about comfort. The boxers are my favorite. Another favorite of mine is the Crop Mop Wipes. Cool and refreshing ball butt and body wipes for peak male hygiene and extra care when it matters most. Manscaped has also partnered with the GOAT Alex Caruso and the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off 
and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PHL. When things get hairy, make sure to call Manscaped in clutch time. All right, Andrew, welcome back to the Birds Banter podcast. We're going to have you on to talk about the cornerbacks. We're first going to talk about the outlook for the current cornerbacks on the 2021 roster that came back um, for another season with the Eagles. And then we're also, also going to talk about some draft prospects. If you guys are familiar with Andrew, he is A. DeCecco NFL on Twitter, all over the place. Um, always talking about Eagles football, college football, has great content. And he was also on the Birds Banter podcast a few months ago. So if you have not done so, check out that episode if you want to hear more from Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. You know, trying to digest everything that's going on with these NFL transactions and waiting to see what the Eagles do here. So, you know, just kind of waiting on pins and needles. (laughs) How are you? Pretty good. Um, Yeah, you're definitely right. Still waiting for the Eagles to make some moves here. Um, They brought in two safeties, Andrew Adams and um, Anthony Harris, but really nothing... Other than that, um, it's been pretty slow for the Eagles, which was kind of expected because of the cap space and all. But cornerback is a very big need. Um, We're going to get into that quite a bit. I'm sure you agree with me. Um, We're going to start with Darius Slay. So the Eagles traded for Darius Slay last season. 2020 was his first year with the Eagles. What were your thoughts on his 2020 performance? Um, It was a bit up and down, uh, a little bit of a struggle towards the end of the season with better receivers to go against. But in totality, how do you think Darius Slay performed um, with the Eagles in 2020? Well, it, it was certainly turbulent. And like you said, it was up and down, his play. And when he started to play against some of those upper echelon receivers, you started to see a little bit of struggling, a little bit of, you know, play that we weren't accustomed to seeing from Darius Slay, so to speak. But, you know, when you are the Eagles and you're so you've grown accustomed to such lackluster cornerback play in recent years it's really hard to kind of pick at his game and not be happy with with what he really gave me because there was times where he looked flat out dominant like the Darius Slay he was in Detroit and then there were other times where it was frustrating and and he struggled with some of the bigger bodied receivers and and the physicality with some of those guys but I mean in totality I, I think that you're going to see a much more improved Darius Slay, and you're going to, especially when he has somebody competent playing on the other side of him. I think you're going to, and now that you got, you mentioned um, Anthony Harris, the safety, of course, adding into the secondary and all these different pieces here, working with Jonathan Gannon, who's a veteran defensive back coach uh, turned defensive coordinator, is really going to make an impact on what you're going to see from Darius Slay and so many of the other guys that are there. So there's a lot to look forward to with him, and I think that you're going to see all pro caliber performance from Darius Slay next season. That's great to hear. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And there was some speculation. I don't think it would ever happen, but due to his age, his contract, some were thinking that Darius Slay might be one of those cap casualties like Deshaun Jackson was just getting rid of a player um, to get some more cap relief for future years and this year. Um, But Darius Slay reworked his deal. He came back to the Eagles, really happy to have him back. So now that he's a year in, um, you have big expectations for him, but some in the media, um, Eagles media and national media, have argued that the Darius Slade trade was not a good move for the Eagles. It didn't really fit their timeline now that they were a four-win team. They don't really need to be paying a cornerback this much money or trading a third-round pick. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he was worth a trade um, a year after the fact? Well, it's easy to look back and say that he doesn't really fit their mold, but Remember, you know, not long ago when the Eagles had Carson Wentz, a healthy Carson Wentz, 
with Doug Peterson and a offensive line that still had Brandon Brooks and, and a healthy a healthy nucleus of young players such as Jalen Rager and, and the works. I mean, it's easy. I mean, at the time, it looked like, yeah, add Darius Slay to that, the Eagles defense finally gets a shutdown corner, and now all of a sudden you're, you're starting to – you're starting to do some things, and you can make a serious run in the playoffs with that with that current current nucleus. And now that the Eagles, everything kind of sort of uh, took a nosedive, so to speak, after that, and the season didn't go according to plan. It's easy to look back and say, "Well, I mean, that was a bad trade. I mean, that was a bad acquisition, and it shouldn't have been." He, he the Eagles really should cut bait with him now. Well, the Eagles, if you do that, you don't have any other cornerback on this roster. That's NFL caliber, in my opinion. I, I, I look at Vontae Maddox and I see him as a – we're going to get into him later, I assume, but I see his, him more as a safety or a nickel corner. But as far as boundary corners go, Matt, the Eagles don't have anybody there that is capable of playing uh, playing in an NFL game, much less starting an NFL game. So, I mean, they don't really have any other options. He's one of the most valuable players on the roster because – He's one of the only competent guys that they have playing in that secondary right now. So, uh, I mean, I don't really know where else they can go from there, and they really need to hit on one of these corners in the draft probably in the second round. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Darius Slay, um, yeah, I agree with you. He's probably the only outside corner right now that can start in week one and actually play good football. And without him on the field through the injuries or just him struggling later in the season in 2020, you saw how important he was to this defense. When they were trying to plug and play different corners, the defense looked really, really bad. The secondary looked bad. So Darius Slay is very important to this team. Even though he had some struggles, there's really nobody else that you can easily say, okay, we're going to put someone else in. Um, if you had a team with four good cornerbacks, I know that's you know mostly unheard of in the NFL, but if they had solid corners behind him, okay, maybe you can move on from him. Um, doesn't really fit, you know, the timeline of the Eagles right now. However, like you said, you know, he's he's the only option right now, and the Eagles have to fill other holes around him. Um, they don't have the, you know, the privilege to just get rid of a, their best cornerback and hope that everything works out in the draft because um, they might, you know, draft an unproven player who's still got to work um, very hard to get into the NFL and. Uh, earn his starting role so you mentioned Avante Maddox we're going to talk about him right now he's entering his fourth year his contract year with the Eagles you know recently the Eagles have been forcing him um you know going back his rookie year was I think one of his best years you saw his versatility he was moved all over the defense played some safety as well and then as the years went on it seemed like the Eagles were just forcing him outside when he really didn't belong there I think we can all agree that Avante Maddox does not belong on the outside. So are we going to see right. that again? Are they going to push him out to the outside and start opposite Darius Slay? Or are they finally going to move him inside um, in the slot or the nickel position now that Craven LeBlanc and Nikhil Roby Coleman are probably not coming back? Um, they're free agents as we speak. Or maybe move into a safety role like you just mentioned. No, the Eagles. Been, he, he's his experiment. Their 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 experiment with putting him on the outside. That's that's pretty much over. He proved that he couldn't do it. I mean, he was a frequent target for other quarterbacks. Every single game, he had a target on his back, and he could not. He couldn't rise to the occasion. He couldn't slow guys down, and he ended up being the weak link in the secondary. He was clearly miscast as number two corner. That was that much was evident at the end of last summer, even. So it, 
I thought it was a little foolish of them to part with Rasul and Sydney so prematurely when you didn't have a an adequate starter on the outside. I should say a surefire adequate starter on the outside. They they obviously had high hopes for Maddox or thought that he could be a competent band aid in the interim to get them there until they got their you know, their young corner to groom. But I think they're ultimately going to move him to safety if I had to guess because just looking in the, some of the areas that they were intrigued with, they look at the nickel corner from the 49ers last week. Um, so, I mean, if you already have an adequate nickel corner on the roster, a young one at that, why, why look to the free agent pool to look at a 30-year-old corner mm-hmm. to play that same role without having other plans of maybe moving Avante to safety perhaps, which they're really going to have to do something in that area. Because losing Jalen Mills, you can't retool an entire position in one offseason. So it would make sense if they were to go that route and move him to safety, knowing that he had that experience uh, as a rookie. And um, I just kind of read between the lines there. If you're looking at a nickel corner who's a free agent, and you already have two guys in Nikel Roby Coleman and uh, Trayvon LeBlanc who are pending free agents that probably uh, are done here as Eagles, well, and, and me, it, it kind of says to me that maybe they have other plans for Avante Maddox. Yeah, that's a great point. I definitely agree with you. And in the past, uh, 2018, when we saw Avante Maddox play safety, it kind of shows that they trust him in that role. And the new coaching staff might have different plans than what Jim Schwartz had. Um, Jim Schwartz did use him in multiple different roles, but he ended up using him mostly as an outside cornerback, which I completely agree, or I completely think that most defensive-minded coaches would not agree with that evaluation, and they're going to be doing something different. So, we definitely will see something new with Avante Maddox this season. We can definitely agree on that. Um, Andrew, the last corners that we're going to wrap up uh, this Eagles review on, Michael Jaquette, Kevon Seymour, and Craig James. They're the biggest named um, other Eagles cornerbacks right now that are on the roster. Do we have any upside from these cornerbacks? Uh, there was some up and down from them later in the season. Craig James uh, had a lot of buzz in the offseason, then did did get injured. So are you looking at any of these guys, um, seeing them having a chance to start later on in 2021? Um, are they just going to be depth guys? What are your thoughts on the rest of this group? Well, I'm happy you asked me about those guys because it's very easy to look at these back-end players and automatically dismiss them and think that they can't play. And in many times, those guys can. But unfortunately, in, in the case for the Eagles – None of these guys offer any upside, to be honest with you. I would say that out of the bunch, I would say Craig James offers minimal upside as a special teams maven, maybe a sub-package defender. But outside of that, I mean, Seymour can't play. He probably won't be on the roster. And uh, Michael Jaquette, he kind of he kind of flashed a little bit when he was thrown in there early. He has the length and the size and the athleticism. He was a former wide receiver at Louisiana Lafayette at one point. So the athleticism and the ball skills are there. And he did make a few plays, but he also was exploited. And that tends to happen when there's not a lot of film on you out there. And then all of a sudden, when there's a little bit more to go off of, and because he didn't remember there was no preseason, now all of a sudden there's a little bit more to go off of, and people are able to attack his weaknesses and his tendencies. And he, he was really never able to adjust. So I think there's a very minimal ceiling there with Michael Jaquette. I mean, at, the, at best, I think he could be a fifth corner, maybe a special teams contributor. But um, looking at that trio, I would say that Craig James has the best chance of sticking, and um, but nothing more really than a special teams role. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think any of these guys can be relied on as 
a cornerback two, three, even four. Um, the Eagles have a lot of work to do to fill in fill in this depth chart because there's really nobody that can step up behind Darius Slay right now. Uh, we just mentioned Avante Max a little bit, but um, going back to Michael Juquette, I mean, I agree with you. I think he did show some flashes when he first was uh, on the football field, you know, when he was forced to play in the secondary later in the season. I think he was pretty impressive uh, the first game or two. And then later on, I forget what game it was, but um, we all know the iconic picture now of him standing on the sideline um, with a stat line under him. He got torched for over 100 yards, a touchdown or two. Uh, you know, it was... I think it was against Dallas, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. Um, but man, the, it just... After that, I was like, I can't trust Juquette. I don't think he's going to improve anymore. So um, I agree with you. There's a lot of work to do. Right now, we're going to get into free agents and draft prospects to see how the Eagles can fill um, this huge void at the cornerback position. So Andrew... When we first started playing this podcast together, Adoree Jackson was still an option for the Eagles. He was planned to meet with them um, this week, and then the Giants gave him three years, $39 million, and he just canceled that visit with the Eagles, rightfully so. I don't think the Eagles would pay even close to that. Um, so right now, there are some big names. The cornerback position has been pretty slow in free agency until Jackson just signed with the Giants yesterday. Are there good options for the Eagles right now? Are there any names that come to mind? Um, top names are Richard Sherman, Gary Conley. Um, what players do you look at uh, with having good fit and could be a good value purchase for the Eagles right now? You know, given the Eagles' current situation, knowing that they're about to embark on a three-year rebuild, it doesn't make much sense to bring in a guy like a Richard Sherman or a Gary Conley. I would more so just try and do this thing the right way if I'm the Eagles and build through the draft. Mm -hmm. You need to, instead of putting Band-Aids on a position, which which we've seen for years, address it through the draft, Build get a building block in the secondary that you can sort of, that, that's going to be around for the long haul. So I think the best course of action would be to select one in the second round, maybe even the first round, depending on how things shake out. But there's going to be so many options here. And I just think that they really need to get younger there and, and seriously attack this thing head on and, and get this uh, and get it right. Yeah, definitely agree with you. The draft is definitely something that they have to be looking towards. So um, we're probably going to see some sort of signings for the cornerback position. Um, it's not likely that they're going to use probably like four picks to draft a whole new cornerback group. Um, so what's the timing in your mind? Are the Eagles going to start signing some corners later in the process after the draft? Uh, maybe when training camp rolls around, when do you think that the Eagles are going to start building up a, a group to have some bodies for training camp and the preseason? Right, and usually you see that in that second or third wave, more so the third wave. You remember in May in 2017 was where they, they got some of those value guys that contributed to the Super Bowl run, like Patrick Robinson and McGarrett Blunt mm -hmm. and things like that. Veterans like that tend to shake free late in the process when teams realize that they can't they either can't afford them they're not a fit they don't they don't the player doesn't want to be there whatever there's a multitude of reasons why but a lot of those guys tend to shake free late in the process and they're looking to catch on with the team so there's there's always options like that to happen and obviously they have to field a cornerback group for training camp you're going to at least need eight guys there to to handle all the reps through the through the summer and then OTAs and everything so um I think I think that there's obviously going to have to be a, a veteran ad you know, either in May or June after the after those June first cuts, 
they're going to have to do that, but they're also going to have to add a corner or possibly two corners through the draft to really start retooling this thing. And like I said, Jonathan Gannon has that immense defensive back background, so it might be a new philosophy. He may put a precedent on making sure that he gets the guys that he wants in his room so that he can work with them, groom them, and then all of a sudden when they're playoff contenders, or at least contenders enough to be a factor in the NFC East, they're ready to compete, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just a reminder to fans, um, I believe Logan Ryan was signed in August with the Giants this past year. So it goes to show that, you know, the Eagles kind of be signing corners in May. I know Logan Ryan was kind of a bizarre situation there, but even right up until the season starts, veterans are still available. Um, so the Eagles could get some good value later on in the season because Logan Ryan was a crucial part of that Giants secondary last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great example. And you can you can look all, all across the league for value signings like that. It, it's not very uncommon, as you alluded to, for that to happen. And so I, I would tell fans, you know, don't panic. Don't just because the Eagles are idle right now doesn't mean that it's going to remain that way. Doesn't mean that that's going to be their current makeup or, or, or mindset moving forward. They could just be looking for the right fit. And like I said, as you get closer to that season and these guys are looking for a place to play, all of a sudden that value comes into play and, and it works out for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to transition to the draft right now. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm sure you are too because you're all in uh, about the draft talk. Uh, love seeing all your takes on Twitter. Um, again, make sure you guys follow Andrew if you're not doing so already. But we're going to start with the top two guys. Um, top two guys, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you feel the same, but Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan. So these two guys are options for the Eagles at number six. They are talented to go in the top 10, top 15 range. However, I think that you would agree that the Eagles would be targeting offense in the first round with that sixth overall pick, um, getting a guy like Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, any of the three. Um, you can add some different names in there, but offense seems to be the trend for where the Eagles are going to be targeting their pick in the first round. However, like you said, you have to see where the first round, uh, how it shakes up, because the Bengals could be targeting some offensive firepower, the Falcons, Dolphins, the Jets are a pretty big wild card if they don't pick a quarterback. So the Eagles could be forced into going defense, which isn't a terrible thing because you'll have Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan to pick between. Andrew, start off with these two guys. What are your thoughts on the two of them? Well, in my opinion, Caleb Farley is the most talented corner in the draft, but unfortunately he's undergoing a, a back procedure and will likely tumble out of the first round. So there's going to be value there with him, but you know, I don't know if you're the Eagles, if you want to go back that, go to that route of getting a corner in the second round with an injury history, it didn't work out very well with Sidney Jones. But I mean, at six foot two, 207 pounds, Farley, he's just that lengthy perimeter defender. He's a ball hawk. He's tremendously athletic and fluid. Um, great ball skills. I, I just think he's the most complete corner in this draft. But obviously, there's those injury concerns. Mm -hmm. He had a he had an ACL injury in 2017. He missed two games with a back injury or back issues, I should say, in 2019. The last two games of his college career. So I mean, there, there's always going to be that concern there, and it's going to scare some teams away. And now, this, you know, talk about bad timing. That news that came out yesterday from Schefter, where he's undergoing this back procedure. Well, now that's going to probably knock him out of the first round. So now, by default, the top corner becomes Patrick Sertan. Mm -hmm. That's just the way I, I viewed it. And, I mean, many people have it the other way. Some people have Patrick Sertan as, as the top dog. But 
I had Caleb Farley there just based on his overall skill set. I really liked the way and thought that that would translate and still think it will translate well to the NFL. He just needs to overcome that that injury hiccup. But, I mean, in the terms of Sertan, you're talking about a guy who played in 40 games with Alabama. Just the experience and the, and the tenacity that he plays with. He's a he's a physical corner. He's six foot two, two hundred pounds. Twenty four pass breakups over his three year career, and I think that he can be a, a prototypical corner in, in Jonathan Gannon's defense. He has a very sound technique. He knows how to consistently locate the football. He's a physical player. He challenges receivers at the catch point. There's going to be the one hiccup with him. I would say is his long speed. Yeah. A lot of people don't know how he's going to be able to match up with some of these speed receivers who are going to try to exploit his, his you know, his, his foot speed. And that's something that he's going to have to kind of prove as we close in on the end of the pre-draft process. But, I mean, he, he's, he's proven. And, I, and another thing I'd like to see from him is turn in, turn some of those pass breakups into interceptions. Mm-hmm. Teams are going to want to see that in the NFL. you got to capitalize on those, on those opportunities. But, I mean, he's a plug-and-play starter at the next level. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have Farley above Sertan as well. Um, it's kind of the same situation with um, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase on the offensive side of the ball. We got, we got to see Sertan in the 2020 um, because Caleb Farley opted out. So Sertan got all the attention. I watched him quite a bit. And, you know, his performance throughout the season, it got to the point where quarterbacks were just – not even targeting him. They knew that they could just stay away from him um, and better things would happen on the other side of the ball. So, you know, Sertan is that lockdown corner. Um, I think the biggest factor between the two of them that separates them is, like you said, that long speed. Caleb Farley is a very fast corner. And Sertan, um, although he has some great ball skills, great technique, like you mentioned, um, can really get up there and jam a cornerback or a wide receiver and be physical. He does get beat over the top uh, a little bit, and I don't think he would be trusted in the NFL one-on-one um, in week one. You know, put on an island and just expect him to be locked down. I don't think he's at that level yet. Caleb Farley, there is a question mark there with him um, health-wise, but then also there's only really one year of production. Um, he did opt out in 2020. His biggest year was 2019, but it was a very, very good year, both on film and statistically. So, Farley, um, great option. Very unfortunate that he he has that injury, like you mentioned, um, needs the procedure. But would you um, say the Eagles would be a? Oh, by the way, uh, Perfield Yates, the Eagles just signed Joe Flacco. So there's oh, that. There we go. All right, we're breaking some news there on on the podcast. So um, that's interesting. Um, we can get to that at the end and give our notes there on the end uh, uh, sure. for the last few minutes. But um, would you think that Patrick Sertan is a candidate for the Eagles to draft at number six. You know, this is interesting because I had this conversation on 97.3 ESPN earlier today, and what I would say to that is six would be a little rich to take Patrick Sertan. However, if the Eagles were to trade down, I think you can afford to trade down two spots, no further than eight, and a team like the Carolina Panthers would be a desirable trade partner because – You've seen what they've tried to do to shake things up at the quarterback spot. They're not really leaving any stone unturned. They're, they were interested in Deshaun Watson. But if they can't pry him away, Matt, I think that there's a chance that they could see the Eagles at six knowing that they could that they they may want to move down and uh, there might be eyeing a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance if you're the Panthers. So I, and I think it's, at eight, it's a sweet spot to take 
a Sertan or maybe a Jalen Waddle at that spot. But this is a weird draft because once you get past 9 or 10, that's really where you start to see a drop-off in talent. And then you're talking about, like in the case of 11, 12, or 13, where you're looking at a guy like Quiddy Pay, the defensive end from mm-hmm. Michigan, who's a second or third edge rusher by many, you know, by many on their draft boards. But you have a chance to add a blue chip guy if you stay at eight, and I think you can get Sertan at eight to answer to your question. Yeah, that's definitely a good possibility for the Eagles to move to number eight. Um, Panthers are definitely probably going to be targeting a quarterback, especially if they can trade up to get one. And um, I think Howie Roseman has been handling this very well because in this press conference he just recently had and previous talks, he's been you know not really committing to Jalen Hurts. He's saying good things about Jalen Hurts, but he's not saying, um, yeah, we're going forward with Jalen Hurts, QB1, not even considering it in the first round. He's kind of leaving the door open, and that's the best thing you can do. I know it frustrates fans, but now if you're the Panthers, you're hearing that, and you're like, oh, what if the Eagles actually want Justin Fields? Now I'm going to have to jump them too. So, you know, it helps the Panthers kind of look at the Eagles as a threat to get that quarterback and could add some trade value uh, between the two teams. Moving on to the next corners, um, we got two guys that are kind of in the same conversation, in my opinion, J.C. Horn and then Eric Stokes, um, both you know, mid to first round, mid first round to early second round picks. Um, what are your thoughts on the two corners here, and uh, where could you see the Eagles start to target them? Well, J.C. Horn to me is going to be in play. Well, now his stock just elevated because I don't think that Caleb Farley is going to be in that upper echelon. Now, do I think that J.C. Horn's suddenly going to be a, a top ten pick? Probably not. But we're talking about maybe a top twelve, top top 12 guy, I think that's certainly feasible. Mm-hmm. He'd be another trade-down candidate that I think that they could get, depending on how they preference, on, on what their preference is between, you know, Horn and, um, and Sertan. But, I mean, Horn is another guy that fits the mold of the defensive backs that Jonathan Gatton has found success with. You look at Xavier Rhodes, you look at Rockison, J.C. Horn, 6'1", 205. He's not quite as polished as, the other, as, as Farley or, or Sertan, but I do think that he he offers an immense upside, and I, I really like his just his alpha mentality and his ability to fight with receivers through the catch, and his short area quickness and change of direction are also you know a sight to behold. And I, I think that while yeah sure he needs to refine some areas of his game, but I think that there's a lot to like and a lot to that, that points to. Him, he, I mean, you can feasibly argue that he could end up being the best corner of this draft class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see now that there is a little bit of a drop-off in skill level, which is okay. It happens at every position every single year in the draft. Jay-Z Horn, definitely not as polished and expected to be elite like Caleb Farley and Sertan um, going into year one, year two of their careers. But J.C. Horn, very consistent development over his college career. Um, he has experience both as a slot corner and outside. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be projected as an outside cornerback at the next level. Um, but yeah, super long, uh, very good frame on him. And he's aggressive, like you mentioned. Um, I really like him as well. I think if the Some, Eagles did... Sometimes, he's, uh, sometimes he, he's a little too aggressive. Yeah. He's going to have to hone that, you know, kind of, uh, you know pull the reins back a little bit at the NFL level because they'll throw uh, they'll throw flags on that. So you have to appreciate his aggressive nature, and that's what you, really what you want. That's really what I was talking about, about that alpha mentality. That's all good and well, but you have to be able to know when when to apply that and when not to because, you know, you know how, how quick they are to throw the flag at the next level. And 
that can end up being more of a detriment than it can be a positive sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, definitely going to have to be coached up uh, quite a bit once he gets drafted from whatever team it is. But yeah, if the Eagles want to trade back, J.C. Horn is definitely a great option um, for them. He can step in week one and play. Probably not going to be um, as good as you know Darius Slay, someone like that, obviously. But going into year two, year three, you can expect a lot of development out of J.C. Horn. I think he would be a definitely a really good player uh, going forward. Um, Eric Stokes, tell me a little about a little bit about him and your thoughts. Eric Stokes is a corner that I really like, particularly if the Eagles are, on, are looking for a corner at, at 37 or, or in that top area if they decide to trade up or move around. I, I think that he'll, he'll, he'll be in that sweet spot at the top of the second round. You know, he has he's another guy. He has great length. He's 6'1", but he's very, he's very lean. He's always goes about, I think he's less than 190 pounds. But I like that he's physical. He, he's a good man, press corner. And, I mean, look at look what he did last season. He had four interceptions in nine games and four passes defended. He was all around the football. He's, he has blistering speed. And I think that he is a – he might not be a plug-and-play guy right away, but I think that he's a guy that you're going to see step in midway through a season and really take over that second cornerback slot for a team and, be, and, and have a very successful career at this next level. Uh, and I, I, he answered a lot of questions to me last season. I, I didn't know how I was, I was questioning his ball skills, and he took a big step forward with that. So, I mean, he'd be the guy that I would look at at the top of the second round. Yeah, absolutely. I think he did show some promising things um, on tape, you know, especially last year. He's, he was pretty good in coverage, um, definitely showed some upside there, and the ball skills definitely improved. I think Eric Stokes would be a very good developmental player. Uh, to target day two if you decide to pick you know like a Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts in the first round then you're going to target the defense um, going into round two round three Eric Stokes would definitely be a good option there Um, Andrew next guy we have to talk about him Um, Eagles fans are obsessed with him because his father played for the Eagles Asante Samuel Jr. he's a little bit undersized but man he plays big what are your thoughts on Asante Samuel um, in round two I believe that's when the Eagles would target him as well yeah, you talk about, about the bus rate with corners. If you look at that, the Eagles' success rate, I mean, and he, Asante Samuel Jr. is a corner that you could feel comfortable selecting because you get the sense that Asante Samuel isn't going to let his son be a bus. Yeah. You know, the, there's there's just that, that innate mindset, that competitive nature that he has. He's scrappy. He's undersized. You talk about how competitive he is. Um, he has outstanding match and mirror technique. He's a willing tackler, unlike his dad. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there, I mean, he can play outside, but he'll most likely be playing inside the next level because of his size. But, I mean, and, and it's, it's kind of hard to, to reason with, uh, to justify, I should say, taking a, a slot corner in the second round. But, I mean, he has versatility there, and I, he can certainly, he's certainly physical enough to play on the outside. But, um I mean, and the Eagles have shown a, a, a little bit of an intrigue to look at that, look at addressing the slot corner spot. We talked about that earlier when they look at the corner from uh, from the 49ers, but I think that he has a ton of a ton of room to grow. I don't think he's really scratched the surface of, of how good he can actually be. So I, he's going to definitely get consideration. Obviously, with that with the lineage, um, he's going to be a popular player there. Yeah, I think if the Eagles are going to uh, bring in a cornerback and Asante Samuel is the first one they bring in, 
they're going to have to be fully confident that he can play on the outside or be developed into that. I don't think if the Eagles are looking at him as just an inside slot nickel corner, I don't think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be the pick because, like you said, it's just not that valuable to take a slot corner in the second round when there's so many more needs on this team. But then again, Eagles are rebuilding. They're looking for playmakers. They're looking for guys who are going to fit the Eagles' uh, you know, culture and their you know vision for the next couple of years. And Asante Samuel Jr. could definitely fit that mold. Um, Andrew, the last two guys I want to talk to you about are, in my opinion, underrated uh, players, could be risers and sleepers in this year's draft class. Uh, first, we have Tay Gowan from UCF and Jason Pinnock from Pitt. Do you have any thoughts on these two corners? Uh, would they be interested, or would, they, would the Eagles be interested in either of these corners? Um, tell me a little about a little bit about them. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with Tay Gowan. Tay Gowan from UCF, of course. He's more of a, a, a taller, lumbering type of corner. He doesn't run particularly well. I question his foot speed a little bit. Um, his 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 reactiveness at times, but. You want to talk about a quarter, a cornerback who is a fundamentally sound tackler? You're talking, you're looking at Tay Gallon. Mm-hmm. I thought that he he really could have benefited from this season to get more stuff on some more positive things on film. But nevertheless, I do think he can be a contributor. I I often wonder if he'll end up being moved to safety at the next level because his skill set kind of reminds it, it sort of translates to that position at the next level, in my opinion. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, attributes to work with there. I just don't know what we, that he's going to be. He would be a developmental cornerback if you take him, obviously. But I think he could have a home at safety and, and be an early contributor there. Yeah, his size definitely stands out, like you mentioned. Um, the biggest red flag to me, and I think this is why he's later on people's draft boards, but could be rising up, is just the play competition. At UCF, he's not playing premier teams. Uh, like you see Patrick Sertan, he's locking up SEC receivers. It's a completely different ball game between a UCF oh, and yeah. Alabama. So that's something that teams could shy away from Tay Gowan for the first couple of rounds, but um, he has the tangibles and uh, the size, and he's very good in, in man coverage. So that's something that could, yeah, could uh, help it's, him. It's just a, it's from a quickness standpoint that, that you start to worry about how that's going to translate to the NFL, the foot speed. Right. And, and being able to kind of stay in phase with receivers. But like, I, like, like you kind of outlined, there are some, um, some intriguing attributes that he brings to the table. He's just a ways off, in my opinion, from being able to contribute to a defense that if you're the Eagles defense, in their case, they really need all the help they can get, and they need it fast. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, maybe Tay Allen could be a developmental player selected later in the, in the draft um, as a little bit more of an upside developmental pick. Um, last player to talk about, mentioned him a little bit ago, Jason Pinnock. He's from Pitt. Um, so Jason Pinnock, he's not going to be your premier cornerback as well as Tay Gowan. Probably day two, day three. I would imagine day three um, for Pinnock. Yeah, he'll be a day three. He'll be yeah. a day three guy. So as far as I know, I don't think the Eagles have really much interest in him. I haven't seen any ties between the two of them. Um, however, you know he played pretty well at Pitt. He completely had an amazing pro day um, a couple weeks ago. I think it was last week. Uh, measured really well, tested really well. What are your thoughts on Pinnock, and would he be a, f- <clears throat> a fit for the Eagles? Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say before that is just because the, there's no ties necessarily 
Um, doesn't mean that they're not on their radar, or I've seen some crazy things happen. So, I mean, he very well could be uh, of interest to the team, and, and we'll find out in a few weeks here. But he have to, he fits the mold again. You look at the size, the 6'1", 200-pound corner, they're starting to see a, um, a, a transition from those smaller, those 5'10", uh, quicker, quick-twitch corners that the Eagles have been enamored with, those 5'11 guys. And they're trying to. They're starting to look, look, starting to look at some of these bigger corners. And in his case, in Jason's case, he's tremendously athletic. He has a mm-hmm. cornerback and a wide receiver background. A lot of people don't know that, but and and a, and a track background. But he's coming off a great uh, his best season. He had three interceptions last year. That was his best season. It was his first year as a full time starter. But I think for him, yeah, you want to end your season or your career on a high note, but. There's when that season, and some if you're looking at it from the perspective of some teams, that season could be the outlier, and you want to see more uh, more consistency on his part, which was what kind of makes him a day three corner. But he's an instinctive player. He's proven that he can be a ball hawk in in a, in a limited capacity, and he's he, he's got the speed. He's got he's good in the short area. He can remain in phase with receivers. He's very smooth in and out of his breaks. Uh, fluid hips, which is very important at this level. He can re- defend receivers of all shapes and sizes. But um, So, yeah, he's going to be, more so than Gowan, I think that Jason Pinnock is going to be someone that the that, that has a little bit more of an intrigue and a little bit more of a, of a ceiling and, and staying power at the next level. Yeah, that's great to hear. And um, I was you know tuned into Pitt's Pro Day because they have some good players coming out this year. I wanted to see how they were oh, testing. Yeah. And uh, just to note, you know, he really, really outperformed Paris Ford, uh, the safety at Pitt. So something to keep in mind. And also, uh, I would also look at, uh, you're talking about Pitt, I would say Jalen Twyman, the defensive tackle, would be a guy that the Eagles should consider in the third or fourth round because, and I had this discussion earlier today, you look at what the Eagles have at defensive tackle. Yeah, they're set at starters, but Fletcher Cox is 30 years old and Javon Hargrave is 28 years old. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of money tied into these guys. And like we're talking about this rebuild, these guys might not be around to see the end of the rebuild. And beyond them, you have Hassan Ridgeway, who's been a competent rotational tackle, but he's only played in 14 games in two seasons. And then you have back end of the roster guys like Raekwon Williams and T.Y. McGill, who are hardly assured roster spots. So you really need to get a young defensive tackle that they can groom that's going to be here when the team's ready to be competitive. And Jalen Twyman has a pass rush prowess. He has a ton of untapped potential. So there's a, there's a lot of talent coming out of Pitt this year in the draft. Yeah, I like Twyman a lot. I think he's going to have an insane amount of value if the Eagles want to target him later in the draft. I think that would be a, an awesome pick. Uh, like you mentioned, the defensive tackle position, um, really up in the air. There's some great players there with Cox and Hargrave, but after that, it kind of drops off. Uh, so the Eagles have to make sure that their trenches are set up for the future, um, which we will definitely get into later on in the Birds Banter podcast in the next few weeks, going over different positional groups. Um, Andrew, you you broke the uh, Joe Flacco news just a few minutes ago. Uh, before we sign off here, can you give me uh, just some quick thoughts on what that means for the Eagles? Well, Joe Flacco, now that he's healthy, he's a veteran quarterback with a monster arm. He can, he's going to serve as a a veteran influence for a young quarterback, be it Jalen Hurts or whoever that they may target during the, throughout the draft. I I don't think there's ever going to be a serious quarterback controversy here now that Joe Flacco is in Philadelphia. But you're getting a guy that's played in, in a number of systems, so he's going to be able to help Jalen Hurts learn 
makes Sirianni's system that much easier. And it, I think it's just a tremendous signing because Joe Flacco has played at a high level before, and and, and he has um, a, a vast knowledge of, of what it takes to be successful in the NFL. So you talk about a great mentor, Jalen Hurst just got a great one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it right now, as we speak, eliminates the quarterback controversy. Joe Flacco has not come here to start week one. Um, so really the the last deciding factor is going to be the draft. If the Eagles take a quarterback in the first round, then we'll have a quarterback controversy. But right now, it seems like we're safe from that, which uh, is, is good to sit back and relax quite a bit um, throughout the offseason and just see Jalen Hurts develop and kind of appreciate that. Um, but as far as the cornerbacks, this was an awesome review on the current cornerbacks and then the free agent market, draft prospects. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast again. Uh, would love to have you on again in the future because you provide great insight. So appreciate all of your uh, thoughts on the players and uh, hopefully the Eagles can target some of these great corners when it comes to be draft day. Hey, well, I appreciate the kind words, Matt. I'd love to come back on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, again, you guys can follow Andrew on Twitter, NFL. Make sure you check it out. Uh, a lot of Eagles content, a lot of draft content. And uh, thanks again, Andrew. My pleasure, man. Take care.